Good evening, good evening everyone. I believe your day was great. God has been good to all of us. Thank God for this day that he has given us. That we may learn, that we may rejoice, that we may praise him, that we may pray, that we may seek him. And that he may be found to us in every way that we have desired him to come through. I thank him for everyone who is online. The Lord bless you. The Lord increase you. The Lord do you good. Uh, the Lord be faithful and be seen in your life. May he perform those signs, wonders and miracles that you really need him to. There is nothing God cannot do. He is the provider. He is the healer. He is a lifter of our heads. He encourages us. He fills us with the Holy Ghost. He fills us with gifts. He fills us with the fruit of the Spirit so that we can be the people He desires us to be and so that we can do the assignments that He has given us. We give Him glory. We give Him honor. Let's say a prayer and start because our time is a bit gone. Technical issues, but we have sorted them out. We apologize. Everlasting Father, King of glory, we thank you, we honor you, we magnify you, we bow before you, because there is none who can be compared to you. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we thank you that you died on the cross for us. You took our sin and you gave us your righteousness and made us sons of God. The word says we have received a spirit of adoption that came from Christ Jesus so that we can cry, Abba, Father, and God hears us as sons calling him. We thank you. We honor you, Holy Ghost. We thank you because you're the teacher of the word. You are the custodian of the truth. And we ask that this night you may come, fail us, and expose this truth to us so that we may know and believe. And that truth that we will know will set us free. The truth is very important to us because it's what sets us free. I thank you, God, our Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I have prayed and asked. Amen. Today we are looking uh, at a question that uh, looks deeply into the existence of Jesus Christ. And my question today is, uh, is Jesus Christ real? Or in other words, did Jesus Christ really exist? Apart from the Bible, is there any other proof, historically or otherwise, that can give evidence to the existence of Jesus Christ? That, that is what I want us to look at this evening. And that question can be answered this way. Typically, when this question is asked, the person asks, asking qualifies the question with outside of the Bible. Can we prove that Jesus Christ existed? We do not grant this idea that the Bible cannot be considered as a source of evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Bible is both the word of God, but it contains history. That's why the Bible is divided into sections, about five sections. And uh, some section 
is historical books. They give accounts of real events that happened. Uh, and for instance, uh, the books of First and Second Kings, uh, Chronicles. Uh, you look also at the book of Joshua, and uh, we can go to uh, the New Testament, the book of Acts. It gives a day-to-day -day account of events that happened. So they're both historical, as they also inspired the Word of God. Therefore, we can also say the Bible by itself is an authority that can prove that Jesus Christ really existed. But outside that book, is there any other uh, books or evidence of uh, history or uh, accounts that can tell us Jesus really existed? That is what we are going to look at. Uh, because some people, you, you try to witness to them and they tell you, prove to me without using the Bible because I don't believe in the Bible. But if you prove to me without using the Bible, then I will believe that Jesus existed and that Bible is true. And so this is what we are looking at. The New Testament contains hundreds of references to Jesus Christ. We know for sure that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, plus all the, uh, the, the, the epistles and even Revelation, they all mention Jesus Christ in one way or another. Some giving an account of events that really happened, others uh, 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 proving that he, he, he resurrected from the dead and he spoke even after that. For instance, when, when uh, Paul in chapter 19 of the book of Acts encounters Christ Jesus and he asks him, why are you persecuting me? That shows you that that Jesus was not dead. And, and, and though Paul could not see him because the, the, the bright light struck him and became blind, he heard the voice of Christ talking to him. We see also in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ coming to speak to Apostle John while he was in Patmos uh, in prison in that island that was inhabitable where they expected him to have died and Christ appears to him and he says, write these things that I'm going to show you. So Jesus proved he was alive even at that point. There are those who date the writings of the gospel to the second century AD. The people who said it was written in the second century AD. That it was not written in the first century which Jesus lived in from uh, 0 AD to 33 AD. Then they say the, 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 the gospel and the books that were written, uh, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they also say even the, the, the things to do with Acts were written in the next century, meaning for about 63 years after Christ died, they were not written there. But that's not uh, 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 the truth. If you do uh, bibliology in, theology, in theological schools, you will realize some books were written in 60 AD, meaning 30 years, uh, maybe 20 20 something years before, uh, after Christ had uh, died and resurrected, uh, uh, that's when they were written. Especially uh, what Paul wrote, 
Paul wrote when he was living. And uh, Paul was writing in around, uh, uh, from 40 uh, AD to about 65 AD. And we know that the book of Revelation was written uh, somewhere between 70 and 95 AD, meaning it was in the first century. So uh, uh, many people will argue that way. More than 100 years after Jesus Christ's death, even if this were the case, which we strongly dispute, in terms of ancient, ancient uh, evidence, writing less than 200 years after events took place are considered very reliable evidence. So even if it was written within 200 years of the death of Christ Jesus, in terms of history and collection of data, it would mean that it is very, very reliable evidence of the events that took place. Further, the vast majority of scholars, Christian and non-Christian, will grant that epistles of Paul, at least some of them, were in fact written by Paul in the mid of the first century AD, just like I've said, less than 40 years after Christ's death. In terms of ancient manuscript evidence, this is extraordinarily strong proof of the existence of a man named Jesus in Israel in the early first century AD. It is also important to recognize that in AD 70, the Romans invaded and destroyed Jerusalem and most of Israel slaughtering in its, its inhabitants, entire cities were literally burned to the ground, we should not be surprised then if much of the evidence of Jesus' existence was destroyed. Many of the eyewitnesses of Jesus would have been killed in that invasion. These facts likely limit, limited the amount of surviving eyewitnesses of Jesus. Considering that Jesus' ministry was largely confined to a relatively unimportant area in a small corner of the Roman Empire, a surprising amount of information about Jesus can be drawn from secular historian sources. Some of the more important historical evidence of Jesus Christ include the following. First century Roman Titicus, who is considered as one of more accurate historians of the ancient world, mentioned superstitious Christians from Criticus, which is a Latin name of Christ, which means Christ in Latin who suffered under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius Suetonius, chief secretary to the emperor Hadarian wrote that there was a man named Crestus or Christ who lived during the first century and that is found in the Annals 15 
That is very interesting that a historian who is not a Christian records of a man who lived in the first century and who suffered under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius. And that is a specific historical time. And he calls him Christ. There's a very famous Hebrew uh, historian called Flavius Josephus, who is the most famous Jewish historian. In his Antiquates, he refers to James, the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ. There is a controversial verse uh, in his writings that is found in uh, Antiquities, Antiquities. 1863 that says now there was about this time Jesus a wise man if it be lawful to call him a man for he was one who wrote surprising feast he was the Christ he appeared to them alive again the third day as the divine prophet had foretold this and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him were written. That's a historian, not a theologian, not a Christian. And he refers to them without putting himself in. But look at his account. That there was a man who lived at that time whose name was Jesus, a wise man. And if it is lawful to call him a man, because he did great miracles. <laughs> and he appeared to the disciples, to them, three days after his crucifixion. And he did 10,000 other wonderful things that are written concerning him. One version of the same book reads, at this time, there was a wise man named Jesus. His conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous. And many people among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. According, accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders a historian, not a theologian. Then there is Julius Africanus and quotes the historian uh, Thalus in a discussion of the darkest darkness that followed the crucifixion of Jesus and that is found in extant writings 18. And we know the Bible recounts that when he gave up his ghost. There was earthquake and a darkness covered the face of the earth 
between the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Pliny the Younger, in letters 10 and 96, recorded early Christian worship practice, including the fact that Christians worshipped Jesus as God and were very ethical. And he includes a reference to the love feast or Lord's Supper. And that one was not a Christian by any means, neither was he even a Jew. But he writes that. And I would like to pause a little bit here and say we need to go back to the love first. We need to make the Lord's Supper about relationship, not only with the Lord, but with one another. Because a man has said, you cannot know a man until you break bread with them. And that's why we see when Jesus came back to life and he was walking with two disciples to Emmaus or Emmaus, as some people would say, uh, he, they talked many things. Their hearts were burning with what he was telling them. But it is said when he broke bread with them, then their eyes were opened. If you want to know someone, spend time breaking bread with them. And that's why you see, even in dating, before people uh, are, are, are caught and married, it, they go out for dinners and for lunches because that way you begin to see the etiquette of a person. You begin to see how, how peaceful they are, how likable they are. Because if a person is not likable, he will be likable to you but you will see how he treats the waiters. You will hear how he talks to the drivers. You will hear how he addresses other people as you cross them. You will see how he looks at animals. If he kicks the dog at the side of the road, then you know this is a man who can be violent. So spending time with one another causes to open our hearts to one another. We become a family and we need to go back to breaking bread. The love feast. We need to go back to a place where we do not only just break bread with one another, but with Jesus Christ so that we can know him, so that we can make him our friend, so that he can come into our midst and bind us together with cords of love that cannot be broken. Today, church has become an association of strangers who know nothing about one another who care nothing about one another, who assist no one except themselves, who do not consider others better than themselves, as we are encouraged by Philippians chapter 2. And reading from verse 2, continue, you will see what Paul admonished the church of Philippi, uh, that they should consider one another better than themselves, that they, would, they should have the mind of Christ, who would have considered himself a prince and a god and refused to die for nobodies like us. Yet he considered us more important that it was worth him dying on the cross. There is a Babylonian historian called Talmud. He has written something called Sanhedrin 
43a confirms Jesus' crucifixion on the eve of Passover and the accusation against Christ of practicing sorcery and encouraging Jewish apostasy. That is what he was accused of. You know, we read uh, just a few accounts that are given in the Bible and you don't realize that Jesus was accused for healing people. And people believed, unless you are with God, if you healed someone that was sorcery. So Jesus was accused of many things. And you know what? What was not true, Jesus never bothered to address. He kept quiet. No word was heard from his mouth. But what was true, he answered to the affirmative. Like when he was asked, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you have said so yourself. That was affirming what you have said so is true. Amen. Lucian of Samosata was a second century Greek writer who admits that Jesus was worshipped by Christians, introduced new teachings, and was crucified for them. He said that Jesus' teachings included the brotherhood of believers, the importance of conversation, and the import importance of denying other gods. Christians lived according to Jesus' law, believed themselves to be Im immortal, and were characterized by contempt for death and renunciation of material goods. Look at the first century church. And this is a non-believer from the, 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 the Greeks writing about Jesus Christ. And he says that Jesus Christ worshipped, uh, Jesus Christ was worshipped by Christians. Today, we have many people who don't even know whether they should worship God or Jesus or what. Even today, most people can't worship Jesus because they're being accused by other religions of worshiping Jesus. And because of that accusation, they have doubted the Jesus they know from being God. It says that the teaching of Jesus Christ included brotherhood of believers. And that is something we need to start preaching afresh. Brotherhood of believers, not brotherhood of denominations. Every denomination has believers and those believers are the true church of Jesus Christ and they will go to heaven. And whether they come from this denomination or that denomination, what matters is they believe in Jesus Christ. And if they believe in Jesus Christ, then they are our brothers. We don't need to divide ourselves by denominations that I can't associate with those people. You know, we have labeled people. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in healing. They don't believe in this. We need to know. A believer is the one who has believed that Jesus Christ is a son of God and that he was sent by God, his father, to die for man. And they have received it in their hearts, believed it there, and also confessed with their mouths. Because that's what Romans tells us, that if you believe in your heart that Christ is the son of God, and that he died on the cross and he rose again. 
and you confess that with your own mouth, then you be saved. You will be saved or you are saved the moment you do that. Mm. It also says that the teaching also involved importance of conversation, speaking to one another. And even Paul encourages us, speak to one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you realize today the church today does not speak to one another? Either we speak at one another or we uh, speak things that are not completely deep with each other and we avoid what matters to people. We need to go back to a place where we address one another. We speak to one another. We converse with one another. We converse even with non-believers so that we can tell them about Jesus Christ. The teaching also included denying the importance of denying other gods. We need to go to that place where we deny every other God except the true God. And Christian lived according to Jesus' laws. We need to go back to the place where we obey every teaching of Jesus Christ. We live by that law. We obeyed to the letter. Believed themselves to be immortal. And were characterized, characterized by contempt for death. We must get to a place where we do not fear death. And renounce, renunciation of material, material good. It doesn't mean live in poverty. It doesn't mean don't work hard. It just means you don't live for things. You don't live for money. You live for God. Marabar Serapion. Marabar Serapion confirms that Jesus was thought to be a wise and virtuous man was considered by many to be the king of Israel, was put to death by the Jews, and lived on the teachings of his followers. That person was converted by the teaching of his followers. But when he heard about Jesus, it was before he was converted. Then we have all the Gnostics, Gnostic writings the Gospel of the Truth, the Apocrypha of John, the Gospel of Thomas, the Treatise of Res on Resurrection. All these, even though they are not inspired, even though they are not canonized, they have a record of the existence of Jesus Christ. In fact, we can almost construct the Gospel just from early non-Christian sources. Jesus was called the Christ by Josephus, did magic, the miracles, they refer to them as magic, led Israel into new teachings and was hanged on Passover for them, that is by ba Babylonian Talmud. In Judea, Titicus 
he wrote the same thing, but claimed to be God and would not return. Another writer called Eliezer, which his followers believed, worshipping him as God. Pliny the Younger. You see, collecting from non-Christians, we can put together the whole gospel together as it is written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is overwhelming evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ, both in secular and biblical history. Perhaps the greatest evidence that Jesus did exist is the fact that literally thousands of Christians in the first century AD, including the 12 apostles, were willing to give their lives as martyrs for Jesus Christ. People will die for what they believe to be true. But no one will die for what they know to be a lie. Those believers of the first century, including the apostles, would not have accepted to die if Jesus never existed. You remember when the Romans were taking the Christians and putting them in an arena, releasing lions or burning them on the stake, they were always given one chance to save their lives. Denounce Jesus Christ and we will let you free. But none denounced Jesus. That tells you they knew something beyond imagination. They knew something that they believed in. And we need to get to that place where we know for certain that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He died on the cross and he is coming back again. And we are willing to live and we are willing to die for that one truth. I challenge you, my brothers and sisters, search the history, search books, search the Bible, and believe for yourself, because that is how you will be saved. The Lord bless you. The Lord do you good. The Lord increase you. And the Lord remember you. Let us say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you send your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. We have accounts of him living, walking, performing miracles, healing, casting out demons from the Bible and even from historians who are not even Christians. That gives us confidence to hold on to him, to believe in him and to wait for him with a zest that we can master from within and ready to live and die for him. We glorify you that even non-believers who are historians have an account that Jesus performed signs and wonders and Josephus in particular says that it would not be right to call Jesus a human being because of the things he did. We continue to see what he is doing today. There are still miracles happening all over. There are still healings. There are still resurrections. There are still, there's still salvation to many. We have heard of accounts of people whom Jesus appeared to, who are not Christian in any way, but Jesus appeared in their rooms. Jesus appeared to them on the way. Jesus appeared to them in hospital beds, in sick beds, and other places. And they got healed, and they got 
saved by believing in him. Lord, this night, increase our faith to believe in Jesus Christ, to hold on to Jesus Christ. We thank you. We honor you. We exalt you. We lift your name on high. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes I get excited when I'm studying some, some of these things because they, they stir up my faith, they stir up my, my fear of the Lord. They, 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 they energize me to continue. You know, all of us are human beings. There are days you are high and there are days you are low. There are days you have a zest, there are days you don't. But when you read these things, they encourage you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you. God remember you and God do you good. Goodbye. Amen. Thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us. I see Zach is watching. Sheila Akoko, Isaiah Nyaduaro, Mama Stephanie Hazel, Eric Amos, Sada, Seda, Marcy Warui, Shiro. Thank you very much for joining me. God bless you.